Dear listener, welcome to the Unstable Podcast. Unstable Podcast takes you on a journey whilst doing a specific activity. In every Unstable Podcast, a series of fragments is selected that relate to this activity. And besides this, in every episode, one guest is invited for a contribution. This time, we are taking a bath. The guest of this episode is artist, curator, musician and bath lover Laurens Marien, aka Alien Observer. He made a fantastic contribution that is placed in about 30 minutes in this track. For the rest we have fragments of Sylvia Plath, April Vining, a small bathing ritual and some people singing in the shower. So I would say... Fill up your bath and prepare for an hour of relaxation and inspiration while you bubble and splash in the lovely warm water. So, bathing, taking a bath, refers to the activity of cleaning your skin, although it is also done as a way of cooling the body, as a ritual, as applied therapy or just for recreational pleasure. Bathing, with the aim of cleaning the body, is also known as washing. All living things can take a bath, and taking a bath does not always require water. The best known variations on the water bath are taking a bath in a forest, a mud bath, a sun bath or a bath in yogurt or rose petals. Fortunately, the history of bathing is as old as the history of humanity. But because animals can also bath, you could say that the history of bathing is older than humanity. Some of the earliest descriptions of Western bathing practices came from Greece. The Greeks began bathing rituals that formed the foundation for modern spa and wellness procedures. Greek mythology specified that certain natural springs or tidal pools were blessed by the gods to cure disease. Around these sacred pools, Greeks established bathing facilities for those desiring to heal. The Romans emulated many of the Greeks' bathing practices and surpassed them in the size of their baths. As in Greece, the Roman bath became a focal center for social and recreational activity. Libraries, lecture halls, gymnasiums and the formal gardens became part of some bath complexes. In addition, the Romans used the hot thermal waters to relieve their suffering from rheumatism, arthritis and overindulgence in food and drink.
Fragment 1 Sylvia Plath, The Bell Jar I decided to take a hot bath. There must be quite a few things a hot bath won't cure, but I don't know many of them. Whenever I'm sad I'm going to die, or so nervous I can't sleep, or in love with somebody I won't be seeing for a week, I slump down just so far and then I say, I go take a hot bath. I meditate in the bath. The water needs to be very hot. So hot you can barely stand putting your foot in it. Then you lower yourself, inch by inch, till the water is up to your neck. I remember the ceiling over every bathtub I've stretched out in. I remember the texture of the ceilings and the cracks and the colors and the damp spots and the light fixtures. I remember the tubs too. The antique griffin-legged tubs and the modern coffin-shaped tubs and the fancy pink marble tubs overlooking indoor lily ponds. And I remember the shapes and sizes of the water tubs and the different sorts of soap holders. I never feel so much myself as when I'm taking a hot bath. I lay in that bathtub on the 17th floor of this hotel for women only. High up over the jazz and push of New York. For near onto an hour, and I felt myself growing pure again. I don't believe in baptism, or the waters of Jordan, or anything like that. But I guess I feel about the hot bath the way those religious people feel about their holy water. I said to myself, Doreen is dissolving, Lenny Shepard is dissolving, Frankie is dissolving, the whole of New York is dissolving. They are all dissolving away and none of them matter anymore. I don't know them, I have never known them, and I'm very pure. All that liquor and those sticky kisses I saw, and the dirt that settled on my skin on the way back, 
is turning into something pure. The longer I lay there in the clear hot water, the purer I felt. And when I stepped out at last and wrapped myself in one of the big soft white hotel bath towels, I felt pure and sweet as a new baby.
Fragment 2 Woman in a Bathtub or On Contemplation by April Vinding Though I press him, Degas doesn't directly reveal what he considers the subject. The woman's internal meditation or the meditation of a viewer considering her thoughts. Though she's bathing, the real privacy we seem to be entering is that of her mind, utterly unashamed of herself for being caught in her thoughts, and we are utterly unashamed for being with her in that state. We stare together at her nude body, and yet this is no pornography. Though she is naked, we are unashamed. Though we absorb something from her, the interaction is consummation, an ongoing and self-nourishing act. Though the woman is not revealing herself to us, we may experience a revelation. We gain, but she is giving nothing away. For being an erotic image, the piece is also free of desire. It may be sensual, but it isn't sexual. We are not pursuing satisfaction, but may find it. All the ironies are instructive the form of a naked, beautiful body, addressing the subject of revealing the mind. Our experience of the piece as a definition of contemplation, the ongoing self-nourishing act in which, not seeking satisfaction, we may find it. Though Degas' technique and material suggest reflection is often imprecise and murky, more so than report and hypothesis demand, the piece note the worthiness of thought in time, the inherent dignity of reflecting. Degas also reminds me that our cliché sitting with it is overworn language but inherent wisdom. The woman's body is of a piece with her thinking. Her limbs and her posture both express and enable her contemplation. I did not leave disappointed. The questions I carried with me from my lonely, tiring day, whether we are in something together or doing something to each other, why some days I feel like an inhabitant of neighborhood and others of universe, what the work of my life will turn out to be and whether it is determined by gravity or will, were not answered.
but I did know just what to do when I returned home. Run a hot bath. The next fragment is from Laurens Marien. It's called Bath.
Hey guys, Tammy here. Um, I thought I'd do a quick how-to video, how to have a luxurious bubble bath on a budget, minus the bubbles. Um, you know, you got a lot of things in your life that stresses you out, am I right? You got kids, you got work, you got home, you got baby daddies messing with you, okay? You got a lot of shit that's bothering you, okay? You're gonna wanna de-stress, all right? And I'm here to show you how, okay? First things first, okay? You're gonna need oils and you're gonna need salts for your bath, okay? And I know what you're thinking, Tammy, those are expensive, okay? Listen, I'm not saying go splurge your whole paycheck at somewhere really expensive like Bath and Body Works, all right? Everything that I'm gonna use can be found under your roof, okay? Uh, first things first, you're gonna need a good vegetable oil, okay? My skin is soft, all right? I don't gotta use that fancy shit. Just put you, put you a couple, couple tapfuls vegetable oil. You'll see, works great, okay? Table salts, all right? It detoxes your skin, leaves it soft, okay? Now, I know what you're saying, Tammy. I like those really expensive bath bombs, okay? I can't afford those shits, okay? Just get you some ginger ale, all right? Put about a half, put about a half a liter up in there. You'll be bubbling like no tomorrow, okay? Now we continue with another fragment from Eckhart Tolle. He explains how we can stop thinking. Now the, the, there's a lot of talk these days about not just talk actually it's happening addictions. Many people are addicted to all kinds of things, substances. Uh, but one of the greatest addictions, or one of the greatest addiction, never actually, you never read about it in the papers, because the people who are addicted to it don't know it. It's the addiction to thinking. It's actually addictive. Can't stop thinking. It's like can't stop drinking. Can't stop smoking can't stop eating, can't stop thinking. Thinking is the greater addiction than any of these. And it's an addiction because it's, first it's been a drug, almost <laughs> it's been around for so long, and uh, it's a pseudo sense of self. So it's a great reluctance on the part of most people to let go of thinking, because which is equated with the state of sleep, to let go of thinking. There isn't that much to understand in this teaching. There's a little bit to understand about how the ego works, but even that is just mainly a self-observation. The main thing about it is presence. 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 
And presence is a space of no thought, but presence can also be there in the background even when thinking is happening. You can still be not completely involved in the thinking. Thinking loses the ability to create havoc in your life and confuse you. So it, your choice then is not to understand more or to bring some intellectual analysis to the practice, but to practice the state of not thinking, which can be arrived at by various ways, as you probably know, if you don't think about it, just do it. Uh, becoming more aware of the present moment and accept it as it is, slows down the overactive mind, is one thing. Because a lot of the overactivity of the mind is an attempt to get away from the isness, the simplicity of the present moment. So, to become more aware of the present moment as a practice, have perhaps little pointers in your office, at home, in your car, let's say present moment or whatever, or a symbol for it. And there are different entry points into the present moment. Present moment awareness means thinking subsides, may not disappear completely, but something else arises that is primary. call it presence or awareness. Buddhists call it mindfulness, which I don't use because it implies your mind is full of things, but it isn't, of course. It's just a mistranslation. So, to, to be present, first of all, use the present moment to become, but how do you become conscious of the present moment? Now, when you get it, after a while, you can, you can actually sense the presence of the present, so to speak, directly, and there it is. But helpful things are sense perceptions, take you out of thinking, if you're not judging the sense perceptions, labeling, naming, looking around, anywhere, wherever you are, look around, practice, sense perceptions without this compulsive interference of naming what, what you're perceiving. Oh, that's a beautiful flower. I wonder what it's called. I don't know what it's called, so that helps. I can be free of thinking. If I know what it's called, I can say, oh, that's such and such, and then drop that. And see what it means to perceive without the interference of concepts, words. At this moment, for example, you're looking at me. Now, let's say 
between now and now, were you thinking? No. Okay, and again, between now and now. Were you thinking or present? No thought. And while I speak, do you need to think to understand what I'm saying, or can you just listen and understand it? And this is what you're doing. And so that's part of the teaching and the function of the spiritual teacher. Imparting information is secondary. What I'm telling you now is secondary. What is primary is the underlying state of consciousness, which is presence. That's the teaching. But you can't talk about that. It's underlying. But the, a sign that it's working is that while you listen, there's no thought. There's just an alert presence. And when the so-called teacher stops speaking for a moment, the alert presence remains. It does not need to be filled with anything. Like now. What is there to think about? Nothing. You can allow your mind to say, how much longer is he going to sit there and say nothing, and then come back to presence. And then some other thought will come. What's this all about? And then you can allow that thought to arise and then be present again. Which means you're not really, your priority is no longer to follow the thought where it wants to take you. Because the thought has a magnetic pull. It wants more of your consciousness, but it wants to grow because it's a little entity. It wants to grow, so it wants your attention and in subtle ways, it tries to get your attention. It says, it might even use a bodily feeling. It says, God, I'm hungry suddenly. Why didn't I need to eat something? And then you think of a re what restaurant am I going to afterwards? And so the presence is gone. You are gone. You are looking for a restaurant in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Which means the thought used as an, some bodily thing to make thoughts out of it, completely pointless, because you can't find a restaurant because you're standing here. <laughs> but it can use all kinds of things to manufacture more, to get your attention. And if you're not careful, if you don't know the mechanism, it's not so much an intellectual understanding, but a simple realization that this is what the mind does. It tries to pull you in. It's fine, that's what it does. Once you know that, you can allow a thought to arise without following it, where it wants you to go, which is into another bigger thought and a bigger one. So then you become like, like my dog when it finds a scent. And then suddenly, even the do when the dog is off leash, usually she's fine, she just runs around you, but suddenly she picks up a scent and then she goes off, completely unaware of surroundings or anything, and she just follows it. <laughs> 
and she could get lost. She goes off to the horizon sometimes, just disappears. And that's, when you follow a thought, it goes like that, you can wake up 20 minutes later. And it started with being a little bit hungry and thinking of a restaurant, and it ends up with thinking about how undreadful your life is. <laughs> Thank you.
The fragments that you heard are from in the order that they appeared in the track. Sylvia Plath, The Bell Jar. Then comes a YouTube fragment. My boyfriend is taking a shower. Then April Winding with A Woman in Contemplation. Then our guest of this podcast, Alien Observer, with a track especially made for this podcast called Bath. This track begins with a fragment of the movie American Beauty, followed by his own music and closed by a YouTube fragment of a woman explaining how to take a bubble bath if you have no money. This fragment of Alien Observer is followed by another boyfriend taking a shower from YouTube. Then the last fragment, Eckhart Tolle, How to Stop Thinking. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unstable Podcast.